0: D-Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, and if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome players to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, the fantasy football show for big hits, hot takes and pulling our pants down in the end zone. D Mendy here, your host. Here with my guy John Madden. How's it going?
1: Always well, Davey, always well. Congrats.
0: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Congrats Uh, on what? The Mahomes extension?
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. exactly. The Mahomes extension. (laughs) It's
0: just been a a great last few days all around to get engaged to my beautiful fiance. And I got in, my team got engaged to our beautiful quarterback for the next 12 seasons. So, uh, a lot of commitments all around, but good commitments, uh, I know he already spoke, but Eric, E, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I'll, I'll be uh,
2: different in this opening once and say I'm happy for you for getting engaged, not for the Mahomes extension.
0: You're not happy for my other long-term commitment?
2: I mean, if the Chiefs don't win another Super Bowl, then I'm happy.
0: <laughs> well, I got a question for you guys. Are you guys feeling like straight cash today? Always. John, I need two of you. Are you feeling like straight cash today?
2: (laughs) No loose change here. No loose change.
0: That's what I like. That's what I like because uh, speaking of straight cash, we have Matt Money Smith from NFL Network joining the show today and a little bit to talk about his career and his life leading up to the boom in the fantasy football world. We also are going to have him for our question of the week this week which for this week was what is your worst fantasy football loss of all time and then closed out our discussion with uh, a little bit about five guys who've seen their stock rise a lot this offseason and if we buy them or not pun intended with money but first before we get to matt let's get to our news and notes Well, the best player in the history of football got paid like it today. Final structure for Mahomes' deal. Ten-year extension worth up to $503 million. It includes $477 million in guaranteed mechanisms and the ability for Mahomes to have outs if guaranteed mechanisms are not exercised, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Starting in 2022 and for 10 years running, Patrick Mahomes has a $1.25 million incentive for winning the AFC Championship game and a $1.25 million incentive for winning the NFL MVP per source. That's $25 million of incentive over 10 years, which takes his value of his deal from 477 mil to $503 mil. That's half a billion dollars. But um, I, the one thing I'm going to say before I let you guys take it away is you can't have to pay him what he wants. He's worth every penny in my eyes. Would I have loved him to take less money? Yes, so we could keep more players around us. But at the end of the day, I mean, whatever he wanted, he was going to get. And that's what he wanted. And actually, they're coming out now with the year-by-year parts of his deal. Uh, And it's the last four years, actually, where most of his money kicks in. He actually doesn't get paid 40 mil until his last four years. And then they're astronomical numbers. But um, I'll start with you, John. What are your thoughts about this insanely generous Patrick Mahomes deal?
1: Well, uh, just to go off, there's an old tweet floating around. Would you rather have, you know, uh, a million dollars or 10 minutes with Warren Buffett? And uh, a lot of people on Twitter outthink themselves. But I think Mahomes should have turned this down for 10 minutes with Warren Buffett and he'd tell him how to make some money. Because, you know, it's half a billion dollars. Who cares? That's chump change. You know, inflation, it's going to be worth nothing in a year.
0: (laughs) That's right. I think, I mean, you probably have potentially Dak and Lamar Jackson and others who might use that as a benchmark and try to top it. You never know.
1: I, they're, the not, I, gonna, they're not. They're not going to top it. I, I can't. Lamar would be the only one who might be able to top it, and he needs to win a playoff game, and then they might pay him. I really don't think Dak has a shot at trying to get forty million dollars a year.
0: <laughs> Eric, I know you're chomping at the bit. What do you think of this deal?
1: Well, first of all,
2: best player of all time. He's been in the league like three years, and Tom Brady has six Super Bowls. So I, I'd pump the brakes on that a little bit. We'll see oh, how really? good. Oh really? We'll, oh, really? We'll, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? See... We'll see how good he is when he takes up a lot of the salary cap and doesn't have amazing players around him. Eric. Um, But but you're right.
0: Eric. Patrick Mahomes in his first 31 games 76 passing touchdowns, most ever. 9,412 passing yards, most ever. 108.9 QB rating, highest ever. 24 wins, tied for the most ever. Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. Regular no, no, season wait. MVP.
2: John John, I'm sorry, you only need two really good years to be considered the best player of all time. Forget a career, you just need really two it's, really it's good
1: also, years. It's also it's been like five months since his last completion. So what grow up? What have you done to me lately? <laughs>
2: but but David, I think you bring up a good point. Mahomes was gonna get whatever he wanted. He had the the element of timing, the element of being the face of the franchise to deliver a Super Bowl win to an organization that hasn't had it in what, over forty, fifty years. Um, and, and arguably one of the most marketable players in the NFL and, um, he was going to get whatever he wanted. I don't think anyone is going to top it because just like Mike Trout in baseball, I think arguably Mahomes is, is the most popular player and, um, nobody, nobody stacks up.
1: So if if players are getting paid based on popularity, I'm waiting for Zay Jones to pick up his half a billion dollar (laughs) contract. John, are you going to contribute to that? Uh, <laughs> I'll start a GoFundMe. I'll do the first twenty
0: sets. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll triple it. Zay Jones, if you come on the show, will three help pay for your new contract?
3: <laughs>
0: it's funny you mentioned Mike Trout because this actually was the deal that toppled Mike Trout's current high, or it was the highest contract in all sports. Mahomes is actually the first player to have half a billion dollars like, actually in his contract. Mahone, I think Mike Trouts was, like, 427. So, richest contract ever given in any sport. Patrick Mahomes. But this is not just a Patrick Mahomes podcast. This is the triple play fantasy podcast. So, do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show that you can check out. Also available anywhere you get your podcasts. While you're there, how about you be a pal and leave us a five-star rating and review? And follow us on our social media at TripplayFantasy. Help us keep growing and working to provide you with funny and informative content. Eric runs our social media and provides great daily questions, gifts, and our weekly episode drops. Lastly, tell a friend about us who might tell a friend, who might tell a group of friends, and before you know it, we may rule the fantasy world. But it starts with you. Thank you to the loyal player for your listens each and every week. We really appreciate each download and listen that you all give us. And now, our interview with Matt Money Smith.
1: Thank you, players. Please help us sign a $477 million contract.
0: We welcome in a man who speaks straight cash, homie. He's a fantasy analyst on NFL Fantasy Live host of NFL Now, and part of NFL Network's coverage for all major football events. He's the lead play-by-play announcer for radio broadcasts of the Los Angeles Chargers and co-host on the Petros and Money Show. If that wasn't enough, he's also a graduate of the pristine Pepperdine University, the man with the manly voice I wish I had. We welcome in Matt Money-Smith. How's it going, man?
3: What's up, David? We could uh, We could do that all day. I'm fine with that. <laughs> hey,
0: thanks for coming on our show, man. We're, we're pumped to have you on.
1: Oh, happy to be here. What's happening, John? Everything's going great. Thank you.
3: Right.
0: And, and then our third member of our triple play pod here is Eric, but he's the one that says the least uh, worthy fantasy advice. You don't have to listen to him. <laughs>
2: Like, hey,
3: every every uh, pod needs one of those guys, right? Yes, oh,
2: man. <laughs> yeah, hey, you and get, that's, uh, yeah. That that's our host. David just has the personality, but not good advice.
0: Okay, well, he's gonna. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so, so, Matt, I wanted to just kind of before we get into the fantasy stuff, I just wanted to talk a little bit about yourself um, and kind of just your career. Uh, so, just a couple questions we have. My first one for you: When did your voice sure. drop? When did your voice drop to base level, and did you know then that you wanted to get into media?
3: Um, sort of. Like, uh, I'd say probably around 14,15 is, mm-hmm. is when it started dipping, and, and I'd say by the time I was 16, it wasn't quite this low, but it was pretty low. and you know when you have it, just it wasn't something that I w- was kind of thinking about, but something that was repeatedly said to me, like, oh, you got a, you got a voice for radio that's a that's a heck of a voice you should get into voiceover so it kind of had always been had always been with me Mm. uh and then I managed to seek it out you know when I got to college I worked for the college radio station uh when I was at college I got an internship at an FM station out here and started doing sports there and then it just kind of took off so uh it was almost like I don't know it's like a chicken or the egg right did (laughs) did I figure it out or was it people telling me that I should be doing that and uh and that's why I chased that that sort of vocation, but uh, however we got here, we're here. And it's a a pretty
1: sweet deal to be able to do this for a living. That's for sure. The the difference is you were told you have a voice for radio. David just gets told he has a face for radio. (laughs) And I have one of those
3: too, but yet somehow I managed to, uh, to equip myself well enough on the radio that the NFL network came for me.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of NFL network, uh, them and and everywhere else you are, they, they call you money. Can you expand on how you got that nickname and why it's stuck?
3: I wish it was a great story, David. It's not. It is, uh, I worked on an FM morning show, and everybody had a nickname. You know, It was this show called Kevin and Bean on K-Rock in Los Angeles, and when you weren't Kevin or Bean, you, for whatever reason, you got a nickname. So mine became Money. They don't really have an answer why. I think it's maybe because I went to Pepperdine, so they assumed I was rich. Uh, because (laughs) it was in Malibu, and and I guess, you know, that was kind of the the tag that Pepperdine got. I was not, but, you know, whatever. It it stuck, and it was cool then, now, as a guy who's, you know, calling games for the Chargers on NFL Network, and and in his 40s, it's a little weird to have a nickname, especially one that's money. But it works it's (laughs) fine. I'm
1: okay with it.
2: I was going to say, that's a pretty cool nickname. George Costanza would be jealous. (laughs) He'd want
0: something like that. (laughs)
1: did you just watch the episode where he tried to get called (laughs) t-bone probably in the last couple
0: weeks oh man well you've also you've called ncaa football games ncaa basketball games nfl football doing play-by-play uh do you have a famous call or catchphrase that you like to try to use and if you ever slipped up or curse when you've been calling games because you've been so excited
3: not really uh for a minute there with the chargers, I was using knock on wood after big touchdowns and <laughs> it, it worked. It, you know, the, the idea was, it was the Eddie Floyd song, you know, it's a, it's an old sort of blues slash soul song that uh, people can look up. And the idea was that maybe they would start playing that in the stadium and it would work. And it's this just giant horn suite that you thought would, um, would really get the crowd going. And I thought that was going to end up happening. So that's kind of how that all started. Um, but outside of that, I mean, look, I think anytime you call a bunch of games, you're, you're going to end up um, you know, stumbling over yourself or missing a call. So I have had, I don't want to say plenty, but I've had enough of those that they stick with you. There's a couple that stick with you. The one that I think I was most nervous about where I like legitimately would have nightmares on occasion about was the Antonio Gates catch the pass Tony Gonzalez for most touchdown grabs by a tight end in the history of the NFL, knowing that there's a possibility that that would live in perpetuity and you'd hear it over and over again. And thankfully I did not matter messed it up. I saw Antonio. I watched him run the route. I knew that was him that caught the touchdown. So I was able to get that one.
0: Did you rehearse it a lot before the game just to make sure you were ready?
3: No, I don't do that because I think it sounds rehearsed and it sounds scripted you okay. know, when you try to write it out. I, I kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go with it. But even like it's less, I think when you're in the call, it's less about the, the Like kind of like the script or, oh, I want to make sure I say this and this and this. It's more about making sure you have the play right. Like, oh, I know that's Antonio Gates that's there, you know, in the slot or at the end of the line on the right side. And you're following him in the red zone to make sure you don't lose sight of him actually completing that play. Like that's kind of the stuff that you're a little more stressed about as opposed to exactly what you're going to say or how you're going to say it.
0: That makes sense, and that's why you're so good at what you do. Because I definitely would have probably rehearsed it, because I would have been yeah. not confident. Some myself.
3: people do, David. Like, like some people are into that. Line. Like, they want to write it out and they want to say, It just doesn't work for me. It sounds like I'm re- reading it. So,
0: right, right, and and so it's interesting because talking about you know rehearsing and other things, you're you're on TV on camera too. Like, like it's been mentioned, you're not just calling radio, so you have to really be on the ball. And one of the shows that we like watching you on. NFL fantasy live. Cause this is a fantasy football podcast that we do. What made you get into fantasy football?
3: Uh, they came and got me. So I, I had been playing fantasy football forever. So the first league I was in goes all the way back to 95. It was a punk rock league. Uh, I used to be in the music business. So it's just a bunch of guys from different bands that had either played in the band or toured with the band or, or worked for a record label or a management company. And, you know, we're talking, like I said, 95 ish. Where we weren't even using the internet, we were using you know Monday morning box scores from the newspaper, from the sports page to make our totals. And that league has gone through every variation you can imagine: snake draft, the auction draft, one QB to Q- two QBs, four point interceptions to you know six point touchdowns, all flex positions. So it's been fun to kind of like ride the the wave of fantasy and, and all the different things that people are now doing. But NFL Network came and got me. Uh, I was doing fantasy football stuff on on the morning show that I worked on. And they kind of reached out to, to my people and said, would you be interested in, you know, when they first hired me, like the idea of the show was not that it was going to be on NFL Network. It was going to be a half hour show that aired only on NFL.com. Before people watched a lot of long-form programming on .coms, you know, on the internet, so they had their head in the right place. Certainly, where we are today in 2020, but it quickly gained enough attention and became very popular on NFL .com that they immediately put it up on the network. And obviously, you know, I think it's now been 12 years, 11 years. I think it's been 11 years that I've been there, uh, 10 or 11 years that I've been there doing it. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a, it's been a fun run.
2: That's great. And Matt, it sounds like you've been doing fantasy for close to 25 years. Do you have a best draft pick that you've had where you're like, you know, I got that guy later in the round, or I knew he was going to break out, and I got him?
3: Yeah, I mean, heck, for that long of a time, there have been quite a few. Um, Last year, in in actually our, uh, in one of our NFL.com leagues, um, Lamar Jackson was that pick, where he was just Mm. still sitting around you know, in like the fifth round and that's sort of your no man's land for quarterbacks, right? Like you either want to take one high or you wait till 10th round or something to get them. And I plucked him. So that was a big one uh, that year. I remember there was a year that Santonio Holmes had a big year and ended up having like a really good playoff that worked out really well for me. I got him late. Um, I tend to do well in tight ends for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know why, but, but for some reason, whenever I've won a league, it's always been because I've managed to scoop up a tight end and, and I, it's a weird position. You know, when you look at it for fantasy, there is so much separation between the really good ones, the average ones and the bad ones. And if you're in a league that has to start a tight end, I have found that, that having one that's elite can really go a long way. And I wish I could remember the one that most recently did me right. But, um, but that tends to be a position I, I excel at. Oh, I know. I remember, um, I got a Texans defense one year that I plucked like maybe around early and everyone was riding me for doing that. It was like that <laughs> huge Texans year from like three years ago that was averaging like 18 points per game and was just crushing it and, and carried me to a win.
0: We might have to change. Uh, if you ever get tired of money, maybe we'll do Matt, tight end whisperer Smith.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I wish I had yeah. an answer for the tight end this year. It's, uh, it's definitely getting to be a deeper position too. You know, but at the same time, I would assume whomever got Kittle last year is feeling pretty darn good about that selection. Um I th- yeah, for whatever reason, I think when you look at like the Kittles and the Kelsey's uh, or the Zach Ertz, that just, it, it tends to be a, a position that can really put a very good team over the top to being almost darn near unstoppable.
0: Agreed. I mean, that it's, it's, I kind of compare it to like in, um in baseball, the catcher position because. It's like one of those that you could just stream them or, or use them, but if you have a really good one, it can set you apart uh, from the rest of the teams because there's only a few elite tight ends. So, especially I'm thinking of Darren Waller's last year, the, the Tyler Higbees, yeah. those those guys Mark that just Andrews. come in there, yeah,
3: right, yeah. That's, um, and like I said, I think you know when you can start ripping those off, it, you know, it shows you that it has. It's become such an important position. I mean, my gosh, the two teams that win the Super Bowl were Kelsey and you know had Kelsey and Kittle, arguably the two best tight ends in the league. So no doubt it's going to continue to expand. So maybe, you know, that, that proclamation will start to, to subside a little bit that, that you'll be able to find a little more parity at the tight end position. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's always, I, I don't, I think it's inevitable that there's always going to be that, that late white receiver. I think that's probably what most people are going to hang their hat on, you know, whether like the Robbie Anderson's or, you know, th- that type of receiver that ends up having a huge year. Um, ends up being one of those picks or a waiver wire pickup, you know, in week one or week two that ends up carrying you to a, to a title.
0: Right. And it's interesting because that's going to tie into our next segment. I want to do our question of the week. This week's question, John, who are we not sponsored by?
1: Uh, we're sponsored. We're not sponsored by water, you know, and it's high quality eight to two. And it's it's great after a, a long 4th of July weekend, or maybe you even have some of it on the 4th of July, who, you know, what have you. It's versatile, cold, room temperature, crystal light, other packets of that nature. But yeah, we're not sponsored by water today. Uh, Aquafina, give us a call.
0: <laughs> so, so Matt, our question we want to ask you as the guest this week, what is your worst fantasy loss that you've ever had?
3: Oh, there have been a lot uh i've lost by a tenth of a point but i'll tell you just again thinking most recently uh scott hansen knocked me off this last year and i had the best the best team by far in this league it wasn't even close uh and i was going to play fabs in the next round and humiliate him like i do every year and it was the overtime game um in the second round of the playoffs that somehow the Eagles managed to rally against Eli Manning and get to overtime, mm-hmm. and that last touchdown, I ended up losing. To Zach like Yeah, to Zach Ertz. <laughs> I lost like on that, too. Point. Yeah, and it killed me, because Hanson, he's such an a-hole when it comes to winning, <laughs> and, you know, rubbing it. It's like, look, dude, you, you had the best week of the season that week. It was an average week for me, and it was a huge number, which I had been posting every single week. He ends up having just some ridiculous, I think it was a Derrick Henry week. And like, he just had one of those weeks where his guys went crazy and he ended up knocking me off. And I was the best team last year in that league. And I just love doing it to, to beat the snot out of Fabiano and really upset him because it's so important <laughs> to him. And for me, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, the, them's the breaks, you win some, you lose some.
0: You're like, yeah, who's the real expert here?
3: Exactly right.
0: Um, do you remember if I, am trying to remember if on red zone, if Scott Hansen had said anything, did he say anything after that game? Well,
3: I was doing NFL now that day, that next morning. And, you know, I don't know if you ever watch NFL now, but the whole newsrooms behind you when you're hosting. And so he was doing a dance behind me, just kind of <laughs> really strutting and flexing it out and, and texting me Well, I'm live on the air, doing a live news show. <laughs> it's kind of probably one of the more serious shows. It's just kind of straight news on NFL network. And he's, he's acting the fool uh, while blowing up my phone as I'm trying to do the show. But like I said, that's why it is infuriating to lose to him because that's how he behaves. So, yeah, that was a tough one. That's for certain.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, um, we're going to have your fantasy hat go on now because we're going to move to our game of the week. Okay. For our game this week, I'm going to give you five players, okay? Okay. And I want you to tell me if they're money or if they're a mat as in a doormat, okay? Okay. Only one
2: T. Only one (laughs) T.
0: Trying to play off your name with these. Uh, So, first one we have Daniel Jones. Do you think he's money or is he a Matt?
3: Um, I'm going to go Matt. Uh, I think you can find, if, if I'm assuming you're in like a 12 team league, I think you can probably find. I think you can find eight quarterbacks that you'd rather have on your roster than Daniel Jones. So I'll go Matt.
0: I agree with you hundred percent. Only Lamar Jackson did have more care or more games with 30 plus fantasy points than Jones did last year, but he did fumble the ball 18 times and they actually turned the ball over on 18% of their red zone trips last year. I think that they're going to be a run first offense with Saquon Barkley healthy and upgrading their offensive line. So I think you're right, man. I think Daniel Jones, I think, is getting a lot of hype, and I'm not sure he's going to be worth the hype once games are actually being played. So I I definitely am with you on that take.
2: Well, I think Danny Dimes is money. Um, You do? Yeah, well, you had mentioned that only Lamar Jackson had more games with 30-plus fantasy points, but Daniel Jones had 12 starts, four games with four-plus touchdowns, five games with 300 yards, Seven games with 20-plus rushing yards, so sneaky ability with his legs that will offset some of those turnovers. First and third-round pick were offensive tackles. Last year they had the 27th-ranked defense, and I know that they spent money on Bradbury and a few other additions, but I think they're going to be playing from behind from some game. And I love the wide receiver core of Slayton, Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. I think if if you're talking about real-life quarterback, yeah, he's probably not – top 10 but i think of him as the poor man's Jameis winston who was qb5 last year so i can okay. see danny dimes being you know there
1: top you said you love that wide receiver core but that's not a lot of games played between the names you listed <laughs>
2: <laughs> they didn't play like any snaps together last year so hopefully you know nobody gets and you know they all yeah, get maybe they'll play together. 16
1: between all four of them
2: <laughs> that's true good call yeah, that's that's
1: I think a lot
3: of it also depends on what you think of the division. And and now that Chase Young is in Washington, you look at that defensive line. Uh, Philadelphia has one of the best defensive lines in the league. Dallas has got one of the best pass rushers in the league. So you're talking about six games, you know, right there for someone who got sacked a ton last year and, right. and had a fumbling problem. So I know they upgraded their line, you know, I, I thought they took the fourth best tackle in, in the draft and Thomas, not a big fan of his, um, but what, you know, so yeah, I, I think I, I hear where you're coming from, but at the same time, I, I just think baseline, Hey, how do they match up in, in division is usually one of the things I look at. Cause I know there's probably going to be at least five games, maybe six that I got to contend with there. Um, and I'm not quite sure that that just drafting a young left tackle is is going to help them out as as much as they probably need to be helped out. And, you know, and with Joe Judge, you're probably talking about someone that isn't going to want to throw it all over the place. Mm-hmm. If he is, you know, kind of a, a disciple of Bill Belichick, want to lean on defense, even though they really don't have a whole lot of defense and and lean on Saquon and try to play some ball control there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, you got some spikes there. Like you said, you have a few 30 point games. you got multiple touchdown games. A handful of those, uh, and not a whole lot of interceptions. So, there certainly is some stuff to like there.
0: I want to move to the next guy because this one I know is going to hit close to home for you, Matt. Austin Eckler, yeah. is he money or is he a Matt?
3: I go money, um, not because I'm the. Well, partially because I'm the. Well, actually, yeah, because I'm the guy <laughs> that's the judges, so I get to be around him <laughs> and I get to talk to other coaches when they're playing him every week, and and he is the. He is one of the names that routinely comes up when we're chatting up some other coaches from the other side. He is a matchup nightmare, uh, trying to cover him. And I think they are going to see him a lot more. And I, I think I would qualify that by saying that PPR leagues for certain he is money, mm-hmm. um, in standard leagues. I still think he's probably money. Um, just because while he's not going to get a ton of carries, you know, he'll split those carries with Josh Jackson and, and, and with, um, with, uh, Justin Jackson. um, But I think because of because of how good he is at catching the ball, working out of the slot or outside, you'll still see him on the field for a ton of snaps. So, you know, I mean, just look at his look at his pass catching numbers compared to Christian McCaffrey last year. I mean, it was one and two right there in just about all those categories. And and I do think a lot of that because he's really good in pass pro. He's tough as nails between the tackles, too. So I think you'll just see him on the field a lot. So I'll go money.
0: So. Matt, I know you could beat me up if we saw each other in person, but I'm gonna figurally, I'm I'm gonna figurally fight you over this one because, I I, so last year the Chargers ranked 21st uh, in the league with 21.1 average points per game, and they were 10th in total offense at 367.4 total yards per game. So. I personally, and and maybe you disagree. I think they're probably they were better offensively last year, led by Philip Rivers, than they might be by Tyrod Taylor. And I know I might be you know downgrading him a little bit, but they also have a rookie Justin Herbert, who uh, I think usually you can tell in the league, rookie quarterbacks don't do great their first year, and they need a little bit of a learning curve. And I'm sure they'll go to him at some point. Um, I, I'm worried because. I think you had the benefit of Philip Rivers being probably the best quarterback to dump off to the running back, and if you have Tyrod Taylor back there, he's I think he's actually the top quarterback as far as plays resulting in a pass, a sack, or a, a run. So I don't I don't see him necessarily uh, uh, looking to dump it off as much as more of just kind of taking off himself. And the one thing that really scared me is Austin Eckler has only had three games in his career where he's had 15 or more carries. And as, and it was last year and each game that he went and had 15 carries, they got worse. It was 15 for 66 in a touchdown, 17 for 66 in a touchdown, and then 18 for 60 in a touchdown. And I am just insanely worried at his ADP, that he, he's not going to be built for the type of workload they're going to expect from him, and I'm really scared that he's going to get hurt just because he's not a huge guy.
3: Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, one, it is a, a totally remade offensive line, specifically on the right side, with you know an, an all-pro tackle and an all-pro guard and the return of Mike Pouncey and all-pro center. So now you have one half of the line with Balaga, Turner, and Pouncey. I mean, you could probably make a case from center over that's a, I'd say top five, at least top five, you know, center to right guard, right tackle, offensive line group. Um, two, I, I think you're going to see there, there's a new, James Camp and just got high as the O-line coach. So you're going to see them shift to, you know, what's very popular, the wide zone or outside zone, one of those two. And Eckler has exceptional vision, exceptional. Um, and, and because he is that tight package, Uh, He is pound for pound, the strongest player on the Chargers. If you watch his workout videos on Twitter and Instagram and all that, you see just how jacked the guy is. So he's, he's really tough. I I think he's actually more physical between the tackles than Melvin Gordon, even just how hard he runs bounces off yards after contact. I think you'll see those numbers are better for him. So I think it'll be a different offense this year. Um, The the one certainly is, and and the one thing that I would push back on, on Tyrod is, he likes to take care of the ball. You know, he's he's not really interested in pushing it into tight windows and stuff. And and that safety valve, you know, it's going to be there a lot because Echo's just so good at that one. You know, kind of that quick cut. Put your foot in the ground, hit that slant to the middle, or pop it out to the outside. You know, getting around a linebacker on a wheel route. I think you're going to see a lot of those windows there that Tyrod would would probably prefer to to take um, as opposed to throwing up all those 50, 50 balls that rivers was kind of throwing up to Mike Williams last year. That doesn't seem to be quite Taylor's character. So I think there's going to still be, I I think the two players that are really going to benefit from, from Taylor being the quarterback are Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. uh, I think more than anybody else. Um, I just don't get the sense that Taylor's kind of that, Hey, I'm going to put the ball here. And I expect you to be here kind of quarterback like Phillip was in that rapport he had with Keenan Allen. Uh, I think it's a little bit more of what's in front of me. What do I see? Because that's what I'm going to take. And I'm not going to take any chances. And I think that's what kind of Eckler and Henry are going to probably separate themselves in, in terms of pass catching from from Taylor, at quarterback. And again, I think that you're going to see them run the ball a lot more than they did with with Rivers. I mean, Rivers, it was a pass heavy offense. Um, and I think that's going to really change this year.
0: Interesting. I, I, I do. Uh, I, I, again, you being able to kind of be firsthand and see a lot of this stuff that goes on, it's interesting to me. And, and, yep. uh, and I, it's interesting because I, I would have never thought that Austin Eckler would be stronger between the tackles than Melvin Gordon. Mike, I guess a question to you. I, I definitely know how you feel in a PPR league, but if you're in a non or a half PPR league, are you comfortable taking him in the second round?
3: Yeah, if it's a half PPR, absolutely. In a standard I think I'd be a little concerned just because they don't want him getting beat up at goal line. So I could totally see if Justin Jackson's healthy or Josh Kelly is such a tough runner their fourth round pick Mm -hmm. out of UCLA. I think that's where you get concerned is if you're in a standard league, is he going to lose goal line touches to those guys? Um, And and I could totally see that gobbling up, you know, some serious points. So that, I I don't know if I take him in the second and a standard. Uh, I would definitely take him full point PPR. I'm taking him, you know, I'd be comfortable taking him early second Um, half point. I'd still be comfortable taking him second, maybe a little bit more toward the back end there.
2: And to to Matt's point, they signed him to a four year extension this offseason after letting Melvin Gordon and Phillip Rivers go. So I think they believe in him. And I think Josh Jackson had or Justin Jackson had only 29 carries last year. I think he had a strained calf. I know that kept him out a few games, but I see Eckler being a focal point of that offense and you can't predict injuries, but I think if somebody has a big workload, that's somebody that you want to
0: target. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to move to our next guy here. Let's move to Joe Mixon. uh, My darling Joe Mixon. And
3: well, I know where your head is then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and these questions are based off their ADP, because I'm not saying that they'd be a doormat isn't bad. But Matt, is Joe Mixon money, or is he a Matt based off his so, ADP? So
3: give me, yeah. So let's put that in context because I think that's important for Mixon because I too, am a fan. I mean, you can see it. you know, it's it's there. I mean, the talent is there, the ability, I mean, he has he has best running back in the league ability. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the speed that that guy has size that he is as good as he is at, at, at catching the football. Uh, this is someone that I would not be surprised in the least to be the number one back in fantasy. So for that, I'd say money. Um, at the same time, I'm still a little concerned, you know, about a rookie quarterback as highly as I, I, you know, think of Joe Burrow. Um, you're still talking about a rookie and, you know, uh, a rookie that really was a one year sensation and and hoping he can replicate that, which the people that i talked to in in covering the draft for NFL Network believe he can. They they absolutely thought he was the number one pick Um, ahead of Tua, ahead of Herbert, ahead of any other quarterback. Um, You have the return of green, hopefully to open things up, to help mix it out a little bit instead of having those teams just stack the box uh, to slow him down, letting Tyler Boyd eat all season last year. Um, The other problem is I don't, I still don't know what the, you know, what the, the O-line is because, you know, Jonah Williams was out all last year. Uh, I don't know quite what Billy Price is because there's another guy who was dealing with an injury. So the o line's not great. And you're talking about a division and my God, what a division to have to deal with. And in and, and those fronts of, of Baltimore, of Cleveland, and specifically when you're talking about trying to run the ball, Pittsburgh. I mean, that is, you know, when I'm looking at a division and I'm like, OK, so That's one thing that I like to do when I'm drafting guys, especially first rounders. And I want to look at weeks 14, 15, 16. What am I going up against, you know, with a suspect offensive line when I got Joe Mixon? And I think that's something that would be important based on where you want to draft Joe. Um, You know what? And I don't know. I don't have a schedule in front of me. I can probably pull it up real quick, but I would imagine if like Pittsburgh was in there, like I would be like, oh man, that could be my first round pick just getting squashed on, mm. on a first or second playoff week because I'm not sold on that O line in Cincinnati right now. But as the player, I have full confidence, even though we had a miserable year last year for the majority of the year, that uh, that he can end up being an R B one.
0: No, I'm I'm glad you you brought that up too, because he did have a majority Bad year until those last four weeks where yeah. he had uh, a 76% snap percentage and a 56% touch percentage. And as you alluded to, I mean, he's got AJ Green to help stretch the field. I do think Joe Burrow is going to be a step up from what they did have last year um i I think you know prime anti prime andy dalton was gone it was kind of uh, a you know a middle of the, the road andy dalton at that point he's gonna like you said face less stacked boxes he can catch the ball out of the backfield i'm not i don't think they're sold on giovanni bernard doing more than just be an occasional third down back um and i think they might i you as you see a lot of these teams like to play to these young quarterback strength and and you know the RPO has become such a weapon for mobile quarterbacks now. I think that's gonna help and open up so many more lanes for Mixon. And I think that now that uh it's Zach Taylor's second year, I think he's more comfortable in the system. And I mean, you can look when he gets the work. The last four weeks of last year, twenty-three carries for 146 yards, 25 for 136. He had twenty-six for one sixty-two. I mean, I mean, this guy's just like was, was just a monster. And, and I, I think he's, I mean, he's averaged 27 touches per game, which only backs Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, and Ezekiel Elliott were getting at that point. And uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just crazy to me, his ceiling, he was still RB 13 last year with that horrible beginning of the year. And so that's why, like you said, Matt, like he has that RB one potential. I have him this year as my RB five. And I think that he can't be worse than last year, in my opinion. I think there's going to be so many more lanes for him. He's got used to this, uh, the offense in his second year, and, and there's so many good pass catchers that are going to help stretch the field. So I think sky's the limit for him.
1: Well, as, as Plato said, a good decision is based on knowledge and not numbers. So I don't have the numbers for you, David. But you know how I feel about Joe Mixon. I don't think he's going to have a great year. He's not going to live up to the expectation, and that's what scares me is the dismal part of this season. Uh, he can, you know, blow it up for four weeks out of the year, but, you know, if you miss the playoffs because your number one pick has been, you know, pretty bad all year, then, then where does that get you? Right.
3: Yeah. And that's what it was last year, you know. I mean, over half the, over half his touchdowns, and I don't know what percentage of yards, but it had to be, because I had him on a, on, a, on a team, and it was terrible. I mean, it was a horrible run uh he certainly helped out in the playoff but I think I remember him um I remember him having like a bad I want to say here what the heck I should probably look it up right I've got a computer (laughs) in front of me yeah see I remember that he had a huge week 17 so like you gotta pluck that week 17 out because who's playing fantasy in week 17 right right? I'm I'm looking at 162 yards two touchdowns and an extra 14 (laughs) yards receiving so you know you got to pull a 30 burger out of out of his total because it happened in a, in a week when no one was even playing him so i think that's the one thing where you can get caught up by looking at oh where did he end up last year what were his total numbers well you know 15% of them came in a week when when no one was even starting him
2: yeah and and i'm somewhere in between and i i want to pull this stat out it's from uh ball blast football since 2008 there have been 33 different running backs that has finished as a top 5 Twenty six of the thirty three did it in their first three years with the seven being uh, the seven remaining being years four to seven. So usually it's the younger running backs and Mixon's entering his fourth year. Uh, He's never had double digit touchdowns in a season. And I don't think he has the receiving upside that people think he has 30, 43 and 35 receptions. So I think, you know, he is capable of some big games and he does have that upside. Top five is a little bit of a stretch for me, but I would say for sure top ten, maybe in the 7-8 range.
0: You be careful talking about Mixie Poo that way. <laughs> I, I I won't cross you again. Uh, well, I, good points on everybody's front. I think Mixon, has, as everybody's saying, it's a high upside play. You have to be wary of a few things, but I think no one's fading Joe Mixon. I think it's just a question of how high you are on him. Um, let's move to our fourth player. Oh, man, this guy's just another hard thought for me, too. And, I, and I'm not the only one that that's talking this guy up. A.J. Brown, uh, a heck of a season last year, heck of a half of a season. Honestly, 52 catches for thousand fifty two yards and nine total touchdowns his rookie year. Um, but once Ryan Tana Thrill took over in week seven, he was wide receiver three and a half PPR the rest of the year. Um, and a full year could potentially have top 10 production. So Matt, is he a money player or is he a Matt?
3: Yeah, huge, huge fan. Um, just uh, we, we play the Chargers played the Titans last year. So I was down on the field and I got to see him at the combine as well. Just, you know, a, a totally different looking player than anybody else, you know, than most other wide receivers you come across. And and it's just funny, you know, people saw the photos and stuff. And if you watch them play at Ole Miss with Metcalf, he looked smaller but he is gigantic. I mean, absolutely. And and he is fast and he's got great hands. And, uh, you know, you just saw the difference with Tannehill taking over from Mariota, holding that ball, you know, one half beat less, made all the difference in that offense. And, and AJ Brown is someone who's going to win 50 fifties. He's someone who's a solid route runner as young as he is. And certainly, you know, if Tannehill's there, he's clearly his favorite target. Um, you got a great left side of that line, to give Tannehill time to throw the ball for those big plays downfield, you know, with Lawan and Saffold and Ben Jones center over to the left side there. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on AJ Brown uh, being a wide receiver one level this year.
0: Wide receiver one. So you would, you would count him as a top 12 wide receiver this year.
3: Yes, absolutely. I think he is without question the best pass catcher on that team. And even though they want to run the heck out of Derrick Henry, that play action, I mean, you saw the numbers last year from Tannehill and how successful he was on play action. Uh, they're going to continue to do that, and, and that's just, he is a load, and, and they're going to have to commit multiple bodies to try to slow him down, and that's hard to do when you got a, a hammer like Derrick Henry that you got to commit the extra defensive back in the box to try to slow down. So it's just the way that team is built, the way that he's built, the rapport that he clearly has with Tannehill uh, suggests to me that he's wide receiver one. I like it. John or
0: so, Eric, do you have any pushback on
2: that? Yeah, well, I think with all these players, you would draft them. But it's a matter of where are you going to draft them? And for me, right. I've seen some people take A.J. Brown over Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay, who have both had multiple thousand yard seasons. Um, my pushback is Tennessee is a run first team. I think we all know the offense goes through Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown had double digit targets once in uh, 2019. Um and his second most was eight, uh, a lot of games between five and seven. Six of his catches went for over 50 yards, so six of those total catches went for 373 yards, which was 35.5% of his total receptions came on those six balls. He also had touchdowns on 15.4% of his catches. I think over an entire year with Tannehill, he can put up some numbers. But I look at those metrics, and I think that's really tough to repeat, especially when teams have film on you.
0: I hope me and Matt—if me and Matt were any leagues with you—we'll just snag AJ Brown right away from you and, and just <laughs> beat you that y'all, way.
3: Y'all got mixing in AJ Brown. I got my own steals. <laughs> yeah, I would say just uh, you know just to kind of to push back on that a little bit. Remember, double-digit targets is rare. Like that's ten plus targets is a lot. I mean, when you're getting eight targets, you're you're getting a ton of targets. That's, that's basically why receiver one numbers are, is it's about eight per game. I mean, you know, just take like Michael Thomas and, uh, you know, take Michael Thomas out of it. And I would imagine mm-hmm. you're probably looking at a top five receiver in the league, getting maybe eight and a half targets per game would probably be what their average is. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, remember it, he's a rookie, you know, and he's a rookie that had two different quarterbacks, Um, And he was a rookie that had two different quarterbacks and a run every offense, you know, and he was still able to put up those numbers. And what I would say on the on the touchdown front, uh, especially the big plays, is that's what separates elite from average. You know, like that's, you know, people always kind of complain about Julio, right? Oh, you know, I I got these three weeks of Julio, but then you get the, the two touchdown 180. Well, that's because Julio can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he can have those weeks, um, because he has that ability that other receivers don't. That's why you'll get those ups and downs from Julio. When you want the 163 touchdown game every week, that's just not realistic, you know, cause they'll try to take him away. So, um, I, I get what you're saying about run heavy. I do think it'll be a run heavy offense. That's what they're built to do. And, and Henry's certainly capable of that. But to me, play action was also a big part of, of what they do. And, um, I, I suspect in, a, in another, you know, another season, it'll only improve um, kind of what you saw. And and also, I think the other thing to look at, too, and I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not looking at it, but it's just look like a target to, to reception percentage, you know, and that kind of gives you an idea of, hey, is this someone moving forward? He's a young receiver. Does he have sure hands? Is, is Tannehill comfortable throwing him the ball? knowing that it's going to be caught. So I think that's also what's important is if there are those five target games or six target games, is he catching four and five balls in those? Mm -hmm. And I think that bodes well for his future too.
0: That's a great point to bring up. And I think it's interesting too, because the Titans actually have a decent pass offense if they chose to to do it. I mean, Corey Smith is a former number five pick. Uh I mean, he's definitely disappointed, but he's still talented. And John New Smith is talked about as much as a riding a rising tight end as anybody. So I mean, I, I think it's not like that there's literally nobody else in that offense. And I just I, so I think AJ Brown can be the focus, but Um, I don't think it's not like, oh, they don't have any other weapons they can throw the ball to. So they'll have to respect that. And I think A.J. Brown can benefit from that because he might not get double covered as much if they have these other guys step up, which can obviously help his numbers.
3: Yeah, I mean, just to put a button on it, I'd say, look, Corey Davis was drafted high, right? He was, what, sixth overall pick or fifth overall pick in that draft. Um, And it was clear that. A.J. Brown was was the preferred target for Tannehill, Mm -hmm. especially in critical plays. And I think that bodes well. I mean, Davis is certainly talented. He's also got incredible size and is a very good player. And it it certainly seemed like Brown was the favorite receiver in that offense. Um, You know, even though I would assume, you know, they were trying to get Davis involved, just trying to get some stock on that guy, because they got to figure out if they're picking up, you know, an an option in a year or if they're giving him an extension this year. Right.
0: Let's move to our last guy. And this guy's been also, obviously, this this whole segment is guys that are being kind of hyped up this offseason. Deontay Johnson. And he's been compared to another AB as far as just his size, strength, speed. So, Matt, is he money or is he a
3: Matt? Oh, boy. It's just there's so many unknowns because, you know, I don't know how Ben's going to look. I don't know. You know, if it's going to be a run-heavy offense to try to keep big, you know, to keep Roethlisberger out of trouble, um, and I, like, I have no idea what that wide receiver core is because I don't know if Juju's a one, mm-hmm. you know, and if he's not a one, then he's not going to get the attention that a one typically commands, allowing, like we've always seen, right, throughout the course of of receivers in Pittsburgh, the number two always flourishes because the one gets all that attention, and Ben's so, you know. Roethlisberger is so good at exploiting that second wide receiver matchup. So, gosh, again, I think it, it kind of depends on on where you're getting them. Um, if if I had to, if I had to, like figure out what, I think like I think the case. I know I'm kind of all over the place here. But I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out like if I have my choice of of Steelers receivers, you know, I don't. I can't decide if, if I want Washington or Johnson just because I don't know how they're going to mesh with, with, Ross, with Roethlisberger. So, you know what, I'd probably go Matt because I just don't know. I, I don't want to invest maybe the pick that it's going to cost for me to get him mm-hmm. because people get excited about Roethlisberger being back in that 5,000-yard season. We know how much he likes to throw it all over the yard. So I'm guessing someone's going to reach for him. And I, I just don't think I'm, I'm comfortable doing that.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, you look at his stats, he did have 59 catches for 680 yards and five touchdowns with arguably the worst quarterback duo in the league last year. Yeah. And uh, the, the ones that I do really like from him is according to NFL Next Gen stats, he had the highest average yards of separation per pass route. So he you know, he's getting open, and if he has a competent quarterback that sees he's getting open, they might try to get the ball to him a little bit more. That is the one thing I do really like. But Matt, as you said, everybody's starting to figure out about this guy and he might get bumped up so much where it might not be worth the risk. You know, right. I, again, I, I can't, at the top of my head, I don't know what his ADP is, but um, you might have guys jump in three or four rounds to go get him and he's not even the guaranteed number two at this point. So it, you can think he's going to be a sleeper, but how, at what point is it too much to, to jump and get a sleeper? And, and that's why I think, Matt, I think you're right. I think he's going to get bumped up so much it's not going to be worth just taking that gamble at that point.
2: <laughs> well, I would say he's a Matt for his ADP. And some of the mocks I've been doing, he's going in the sixth to eighth round for in 12 teams. Um, but I, I think Matt brings up a good point. Big Ben's coming back from an injury. He essentially had Tommy John surgery. He tore his UCL and his throwing elbow. And it's not something like a rib or a leg injury where you can kind of beat around. I mean, he if you're throwing it, you're extending that elbow every play. And I think the hype that Deontay Johnson has is kind of what we were doing about James Washington last year of – The number two in Pittsburgh always thrives. And Deontay Johnson hasn't taken any reps with Ben at quarterback. And I think Ben is somebody that likes to have rapport with someone, that likes to throw to someone and know their tendencies. And I I think especially in a Pittsburgh offense, that can't be understated.
0: Yeah, very good points on that. Um, Just let's put a bow on it. I I think these guys – are all I mean, some of them are obviously higher ranked than others, but I think everybody this past year, or this past off has had their stock improve a significant amount. So at, at this point, these are guys that are potentially ready to break out even more, or guys that are going to hurt you in your drafts because um, you're going to be, you know, relying on their their potential. And you know, we're going to see what happens. It's it's a lot of unknown this season. And uh, Matt, man, it, it helps when someone like you comes and helps clarify things for us because. Mm. You know, you know, I appreciate hearing your takes and, and your thoughts on things because it definitely, um, you know, we, we hear ourselves talk about the same things. But having someone like yourself, call on really can help clarify certain things. So we really appreciate you coming on the show and, and giving your time and and all your awesome advice and all on this topic. So thank you.
3: You got it, guys. Happy to do it. Good luck with the pod moving forward. Good luck in all your your fantasy drafts and uh, throughout the course of the season. Thank awesome. You. Thanks, man. And if you want to thank see you.
0: more of Matt. You got to check out his social media at Matt Money Smith on Twitter and at Real Matt Money on Instagram. If you want to see some gin, you want to see some traveling, and you want to see <laughs> some football, that's a follow right there. So there
2: thanks again, Matt. Thanks, guys. And go Chargers, especially when they play the Chiefs and Raiders. Oh, We're go. behind <laughs> that
3: for sure. Thanks, <laughs> All right, guys. Take care.